I think maybe Balaam kind of gets a bad rap. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Mer Scriptura podcast, the podcast dedicated to mere reading the Bible. And today we're going to talk about the Balaam cycle in our mere reading the Elois source uh, series, and this is part six. And this, the Balaam cycle is the shortest cycle out of all of them, I think. It's either this one or the Abraham cycle. Uh, and I think this will be pretty short today. I don't have a whole lot to cover. So the narrative that the uh, Elois was trying to argue against went something like this. Balaam was a renowned prophet uh, he was a Moabite, and he served a Moabite god, and he cursed Israel. So the Elois responds to this. So when he tells us the uh, narrative of Balaam, he makes sure that uh, to let us know that Balaam originated not from Moab, uh, but from but from up north by the Euphrates, uh, which seems to be around the same area that Jacob had gone to when he met, when he uh, lived with Laban. And then he also lets us know that Balaam uh, heard Elohim, although it doesn't really say that Balaam served Elohim or really worshipped, worshipped him, but that's who he heard. And then, of course, when he uh, goes to curse Israel, he doesn't curse them, he blesses them. And in fact, that uh, Balaam didn't even really want to come. He just, uh, uh, he actually refused the Moabite king's offer at first, uh, but eventually comes down because God tells him to, or Elohim tells him to. And the Elohist also made sure that the original readers knew that Israel was going to, going to become greater than Moab. So at the time of the writing, it seems that Moab was having influence on uh, this, these border uh, tribes, uh, most likely Reuben, since that, that was the tribe that bordered Moab. And so there may have been some, uh, some tension there. Moab was... Uh, they're looking at Moab, thinking, well, Moab's more powerful. Maybe we should ally ourselves with, with them instead of the northern Israelite kingdom. And the LOS is really trying to prevent that from happening and to stay with the northern kingdom. And the last item I want to talk about is that the LOS really stresses the point that the Israelites came out of Egypt in this Balaam cycle. And I'm not really sure why that is, why that's important that uh, the original readers know that Israel came out of Egypt. But I thought it was interesting, um, and it seemed to be a pretty prominent point that Elois, Elois was trying to make. So the theological impact uh, for this cycle, I don't know I don't know if I'd really call it a theological impact, but I, I just wanted to talk about um, how... I think maybe Balaam kind of gets a bad rap <laughs> in this in this in this cycle. Uh, in the Elois source, he d he doesn't really do anything that bad. I mean, he refuses to come uh, to curse the Israelites. He only goes because um, 
because God tells them to. And it's not until later when the Yahwist adds, the Yahwist source adds his material that uh, he's made to um, do, uh, Balaam is made to do divination. And of course, that's looked down upon, that's a big no-no in the uh, Yahwist eyes. And then they chase him down in uh, Joshua, I think it is, and they they kill Balaam. Um, And for that reason, for divination, not for uh, taking money, for prophecy, not for um, cursing Israel, which he didn't do anyways, but... um, and the Elo, you know, in the Eloah source, he's not that bad. And even in the Yahweh Yahweh source, it's never really. I mean, yeah, he took the money, but he didn't curse Israel for the money. Um, and in Deuteronomy, it does say that he was the one that came up with the idea to get the Moabite women to seduce the Israelite men. But I'm not sure that he did it, you know, for the money. Like he'd already been, he'd already been paid before he even got there. That's why King Balak was so upset because uh, he paid him this money and he ended up blessing the Israelites instead of cursing them. And even in even in the New Testament, it's it gets a little more towards that uh, that greedy side of things. But it's never really clear. I mean, in, in Jude, it talks about the error of Balaam. Pro- they profited from the error of Balaam, but it, it never actually says what the error of Balaam was. It wasn't doesn't say that the error of Balaam was that he profited from prophesying. Uh, and then in Peter, 1 Peter or 2 Peter, it talks about how Balaam liked the wages of wickedness. But again, that's not... Uh, it's talking about wickedness, not necessarily uh, his greediness to get paid for uh, for prophesying. But that thinking contradicts pretty much all the sermons that I've ever heard on Balaam, that he was this greedy guy, and that's that's the bad thing that he did. He got paid for prophesying, and that's definitely not the case in the Eloist source. And I, I, it's it's. Pretty sure it's not the case in the Old Testament. You might be able to make a case in the New Testament, but I think maybe we should give Balaam a uh, closer look and not just assume that he was this greedy guy and that what he what he did that was wrong was was prophesying for money. Not that prophesying for money is right, but uh, that's that's not the that's not the thing that gets him in trouble. Okay, well, on that note, uh, it is the end of this mirror reading the Eloist Source series. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, Hopefully, I'll be posting uh, some more detailed uh, posts on these cycles so that you can see uh, the, the specific verses that I'm looking at and my reasoning and putting together the, the mirrors that I'm looking at and how I re- reconstruct the situation. So be sure to check that out. And there's lots of other good stuff on my website. So check out mirrorreading.com. That's M-I-R-R-O-R reading.com. And thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.